How did we record history before we understood writing? In most cultures, the only way we remembered the past was through passing on stories word of mouth from one generation to another. These stories teach us lessons, give us history, and help us remember where our traditions come from. And in Lakota culture, we hold that you must tell every story just as heard or it loses its meaning. I'm Melissa Marsh, and this is Rough Draft. Hi guys. So welcome to episode two. Um, Today we have my very best friend in the whole wide world here with me. It's me. And say hi. Hi, it's me. Um, As promised just one episode ago, you are hearing from her and um, you'll be hearing from her probably a lot because I want to do everything I ever do with her and almost always only her, but you know, I'm kind of choosy like that. So, um, the piece that she just read was just a little blurb from an article and if I can figure out a way to do it I will link to the whole article basically the article is talking about um Lakota culture which is one of three Sioux tribes and the way that they keep track of their history is through storytelling and I found that like one particular piece really really interesting because of the notion that a story has to be not only told to maintain history, but told the same way that it was heard for it to, like, carry its meaning. And I really resonated with that because when I speak, um, when I write, if I'm, especially if I'm in an argument, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, the exact words that I use are exactly the message that I want to be understood by. I don't want to be paraphrased. I don't want someone to say, well, I thought you meant. I meant exactly what I said, the way I said it. Please don't try and change it for your own ends. (laughs) Understand me in that way. So, knowing that, like, I've known that about you, and I try really hard to, like, be that same way in the way that I communicate with other people. But let me ask you two things, really. Do you think that it makes it harder for you because most people don't do that that like people tend to not understand you for what you actually mean or they tend to read into you more or less like I think is it harder for you like it should be easier because you say exactly what you mean and you mean exactly what you say but do you think that like being that way and being like different than most people makes it harder I think the times that I run into challenges in that way are when I'm having an argument with someone And there's no real way for them to wiggle around my true message and intention, but they try and try and try and try. And it's hard for them (laughs) because I know what I mean and I said what I meant. There's, I'm not going to change my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it's hard because you intend it exactly exactly like how you say it like your intentions are really clear and then people say well I thought you meant this or I thought you meant that and to me it gets kind of exhausting but at the same time like it's a priority to me and then I have to play therapist in that exact instance I have to go well I think that's very interesting let's talk about the reasons that you may be projecting (laughs) why you thought that or why you think I meant that right because it's not what I said well and how many times do you hear back 
well, if I said that, I would have meant. And like, I think that that's where, like, the trouble comes in. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. Then, I just thought my, that. Then my answer is, well, why didn't you just say what you meant? Right. Right. So I think that that makes, like, maybe coming from that perspective makes that notion of, like, the story has to be told exactly how it was heard. To I, I guess how it came across to me was to, like, have that power because you know we touched on this a little bit in the first episode but something that's so interesting to me about like storytelling is that it's a way of like keeping history but there's like a power to that like you know and one of the things we want to talk about in today's episode is like family folklore and the way that like not only is it like a cultural or like tribal way of history keeping but like a way that you come to understand your family or remember your family and the way that you kind of like use those stories to interact with your immediate like environment and you know it was cool to kind of like think of a story carrying power only if it's told the right way like the same way that it was told to you because if there's no is in this case with the Lakota if there's no written record any little change if it keeps being changed iteration to iteration it will not in a century in five generations it will not be the same story right. anymore and if you if you are to know the history of yourself and your people and your tribe and your land there can't be that many discrepancies right from the original if there is no written copy well and i feel like too it gives the idea of like story an agency like of its own so it's not just like I don't know sometimes I think in other cultures or even like in religion or in like if you're talking like morals or parables or things like that you get like the point of the story is this and however you tell it like the important part is the message but this is a little bit different than that like the whole thing is the important part it's its own entity and like it's doing a work on its own that if you change it changes ultimately like the history of your people or it changes the history of like your belief system you know yeah the story itself becomes a character in its own story right it's part of its own history right which i think is like so cool and interesting to like yeah so a couple of the things that you had mentioned to me that i really wanted to talk about um have to do with the way that you and I tell stories from like a creative perspective uh-huh. so like fiction or like poetry or I feel like we we do kind of travel across genre like we write a lot of poetry oh, we both write a lot of fiction I'm happy to blend yeah any way that it suits me to get something out of myself for someone else to read or understand me by right and like I feel like I was talking about this the other day about how like the idea of like creative nonfiction is something I'm really interested in and I mentioned in the last episode that like I if I'm writing nonfiction like I give no filter and like it makes people uncomfortable or like Uh I know it makes Tyler uncomfortable because it feels really exposing to him and he's not a writer in that way and like also I think I'm just hesitant to maybe publicly share like stuff that is too true because my almost my whole family is still living I am 100% there with you on that it's so personal and private to write 100% unbridled unadulterated 
nonfiction about yourself or your family or your situation. Right. It's too much. Sometimes Everyone's I really right want here. to do it, and then other times I really, you know, I don't, I don't know. But the fantasy there is you write it completely true and then publish it under a pen name and never tell anyone in your family ever <laughs> why you suddenly have a fifty thousand dollar advance check for nothing. Right. I don't. I. I don't know. I found it. <laughs> I'm bad at it. <laughs> so, do you want to bring up a couple of the things that you would like spitballed back and forth with me about what we could talk about? About like our, not necessarily our creative process, well, but some of the things that. When we were talking on text about some of the ideas that we were looking at for this particular episode of the podcast, you had said, um, well, let's talk about the process of writing. What are your What are your writing processes? And I went, this is where I'm exposed as a fraud because I don't know how to articulate that in any way that will show that I actually was educated in this area. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I went to college for this and I could not tell you. I'm doing a disservice to anyone to who's educated me by saying, I don't know what I do how when I do it. How am I supposed it? to explain to you the creative and the writing process when I went to school for that, but I am not using it or doing it or okay, so let me tell <laughs> doing you, it in an academic way at least. Let me tell you a story. All right. <laughs> so this is the best way that I refer back to because, so I'm currently like back in school mm-hmm. in the same field so I'm an English major Angela has an English degree um I'm on a creative writing track mine and, was um non-fiction with like um which I think is hilarious honestly but more of like a journalistic or a newspaper right right so non-fiction bent. you know we kind of like get asked a lot when you're especially like I'm in a cohort with a, a lot of other amazing writers you know I went to a writing conference um in Portland and so you are meeting people who are active in the craft and they're like what's your process like what do you do like what are you working on tell me about your project and I'm like oh my god and I'll tell you right now that is one way right off the bat that you and I are so different because I am no nowhere near interested in being part of a cohort a group a collective (laughs) uh, a class where you have to share with each other and know each other like the magazine I could not Mm-mm. No, I'm not interested. I, lo- I love it. No, yeah. I'm not a coven. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, here, there, everywhere. Um, I So I feel like all of a sudden it became really clear to me um, through something that happened that, like, this is what my process looks like, okay? So <laughs> I'm at work, and I'm working with Lex, and it's slow. And when it's slow, like, you know, if all of the work is done, we're doing homework or reading or, you know, whatever. And so I have my computer there, and... I'm doing research because that's something that I've discovered I actually really enjoy as part of my process is like research weird shit. Like so the kind I of stuff that you're afraid the FBI will one day look yes, at your search history. Like please know me as a writer first before you start like red flagging me for any kind of like list. Right. But I was doing research so I wrote a poetry series for the first time ever. Um I'm VV proud of you. By the way. <laughs> Thank you. But it was, you know, like it had to have like things that tied these pieces together into you a had series. To write them with extreme intention instead of just. So the class itself, them. yeah. So the class itself was like based on learning how to write a series of poems and what that looks like, and you know what kind of like unities tie these pieces together and how they connect. And so my whole series was on space. But also, like, on me and, like, my 
place in a relationship to other people and to myself and it sounds very complicated and I guess on some levels it is but this is what my research looked like I was at my computer <laughs> and I googled planets with no solar system and Lex was happened to look over and she goes why what are you doing and why and I realized like that's really common like that's a theme in the way yeah. that I work to have even the idea to need to know about that is so strange to some people but you're the same way like oh, what were we just talking about I, I said oh we were driving I said oh look there's a field of sunflowers back there I didn't notice I said all of their heads are down that's very sad and she says to me literally she, Melissa goes well what does that mean I was like well it depends what does it do they have petals is it green on the back or brown and I was like what and she goes, you know, if it's this and this and this, and then that's when you harvest the sunflower seeds. And I said, why do you know that? And she goes, I researched it. So, like, I think I it's... I don't have a farm or a garden. <laughs> I don't have one single plant in my house. But for some reason, I know some of the intro botany ideas about <laughs> cultivating sunflowers and harvesting their seeds. I feel like that's a place where we're really similar. Um, this, like way that we like to research and like both of our partners are like that too like Tim and Tyler both very different things are they interested in but they really like information I like a variety of information if something looks weird to me if something looks interesting to me if something looks foreign to me like I just want to know not even so that I can like feel smart about it or talk about it later I'm just genuinely right. curious yeah. all of the time I just want to know. know the things I want to know immediately I'm and I have never been so in love with anything as I am with the internet like really because it wasn't a thing when we were younger no. and so when people when people I mean like Tyler or you know someone says to me like why this or what is this or how do this and I literally sometimes <laughs> will say Google you have all of human knowledge like at your fingertips like what a magical thing that that is pick up your phone like and instead of opening like Instagram like just find the information and like we're educated people like check your sources but come on like yep. come on yep. so I don't know I think that it's that's like such a huge difference from when we were young school age yeah. high school age college age we had this is, makes me sound so dated <laughs> encyclopedia britannica was an actual the world books we had to go to the library and the only information we had was what was available printed in physical books mm -hmm. in the school library mm -hmm. and now my phone is never ever more than five feet away from me at any time of yep. day or night yep. there's no way that I'm going to give anyone all the access I have to all the knowledge in human history right right I can look up literally anything well and I think it's funny too like having been a college student then and a college student again now like in the library at school it's a multi-million dollar library. It's I do beautiful. not know where the books are. Like, there are books. And that's not true. Like, they're upstairs in the stacks. But, like, the whole main floor of the library is reserved for computer space. Right. Because it's so much easier. And, like, I have taken now two or three, like, separate seminars on, like, how to research at this library. And not because yeah. people are forgetting how, but because the wealth of information available is so like it's so much that you need like specific instructions on like the best ways to retrieve 
the specifics of what you want. Otherwise, you wind up with 150,000 results that and you can no, never yeah. read all and of no that. And no way to vet them and no way to know which one And this is, is just, like, important. academically, like, approved and, sources. And it's so funny because you're telling me that they're teaching you or, you know, students in your class how to research. They were teaching us how to use the internet. Right, 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 all. right. <laughs> they're like, this is how you put a photograph on a web page. And that was a grade. Yes. Was to put your own photo from your digital camera onto a web page. That was a project. Now they're teaching that to people who are, like, much older than us in, like... Or kindergarten. Yeah, or kindergarten. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What was the other question that you asked me that I was like, ooh. Something about sharing writing. Yeah, I, I had wondered if you'd ever encountered a time when you were really proud of a piece of writing and you just were so happy to share it with someone and they read it or you read it to them and they were like, oh, that's really weird. Like super <laughs> proud of it or you worked really hard or you had this really great arc in your head and you really thought you pulled it off and people went, I don't like this. Or okay. I this is strange. So I had a piece that I was like really proud of it when I, from any time when I first from started, when I was very young. Okay. Well, when I first started writing fiction, it was like as a journaling entry in like sixth or seventh grade. And then we got to like share it with the class and I was expecting like, okay. And then people were like, Oh my God, write more. And then the next day we could like write more. And that was the first taste I ever had of someone really being interested. And so then I like spent a lot of time thinking like, Oh, like I'm like a pretty good writer. And then I first started writing creatively under like someone who has like a PhD in poetry and like getting critiques there is like a whole different world. Like having something poetic that you put emotion into and getting it handed back to you with like a comment on it that says like, this is really trite or predictable. Yeah, like how are you going <laughs> to call me out on my emotions? But it's true. And like that kind of criticism makes me a better writer. And then I feel like I've been encouraged to be more weird, but like, I'll go back to Tyler again. Like he grew up in a different kind of, actually that's not even fair. Cause I'm sure my mom probably feels the same way. Like the idea of like family is family and you shut your mouth about it. And you don't talk uh -huh. about like things that are really personal. And I have written some things that are fiction or poetry or nonfiction that like if you know me, I think it's easier to see like some of the influences. Uh -huh. And I think that from an outside perspective, it can make people uncomfortable if you're talking about something like sexual assault or you're talking about domestic violence or you're talking about poverty or like things that like, whether you've been firsthand in the midst of, or like have walked parallel to enough to make an observation and people who maybe are used to more privacy find it uncomfortable so like putting something out there that's personal like that and then getting a response back that like this is too personal this makes me uncomfortable yeah. is strange and then also for someone else to be uncomfortable about my experience is strange oh I struggle so much with that. <laughs> oh do I struggle with that I I have such a hard time with sharing my personal history family history um emotional traumas I have dealt with and recovered from it because it feels like I'm also adding psychic karmic weight to the person I tell it to I cannot bear that responsibility yep. in any way so I'm very closed mouth I'm very private yeah um this is the absolute most comfortable I could be and it's <laughs> not great 
You're uh, doing trying wonderful. really hard for <laughs> the listeners. You put put it in the comments, guys. Let me know like what kind of stuff you want to hear us talk about. Or and she you, may or may not or share it with you. you. Not talk about. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, so keep this in mind when we like give you all the info and how to contact us and send us in like your stories and you stuff. Know, after we get a producer. I, I definitely want to hear the kinds of things that either you were like grew up like not allowed to talk about or like that you wish more people would talk about or like you know anonymously you don't want to talk about because I think that those are really like interesting ideas. I am in love with an anonymous question answer session through the comments of the podcast. Okay we definitely need to figure out how to do that because I think that would be amazing um and I think like that kind of idea about like what you do and don't share and like the way that you were raised or not like kind of touches on you know what we want to talk about in a little bit about like family folklore and the kind of stories so when I say that what I mean is like the stories that are passed down like through your family that you kind of grew up hearing about other people in your family or I guess your personal family history like not like oh this was your grandfather and this was their father and you know but kind of like the more interesting stuff that I think recently I started thinking about some of the stuff I grew up hearing I was like I don't even know if it's all true but it definitely like shaped the way that I like interact Uh with other people and like society so I just thought that that was kind of interesting so I definitely want to like touch on that yeah just preconceived assumptions you had about whether the whole world worked the way that your family worked to go outside and find out oh not everybody believed that that was true or thought that that was true or acted that way all the time to find out how yeah yeah, to, to find out how private we really were and then to see people just being so blase to share and share and share Ooh, it was a culture shock for me. Yeah. Like in college especially because everybody just wanted to say, well, this was how my childhood went and this is my family and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I can't. Right, I still right. can't tell you about those things. <laughs> um, uh, no, no. And no. sharing. <laughs> oh, that's really, um, that's really interesting. Do your family all completely extinct? Because that's, how yeah. can you share these things with me? That's really cool. You keep talking so I don't have to ever say anything about this. I will listen to you for five hours. Don't look at me. Yes, exactly. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and take a really quick break and then we'll be back. And then have a sippy sip. We're going to have a family folklore conversation. So yeah, hang tight. And now, the place where ads will go when we start putting ads into the podcast so that we can afford to live and keep making this podcast. Hey, Ange. Yeah. You know what's great? What? Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. You feed them. And they live in shells. And they might outlive you. Oh. Buy a turtle. They're great. And if you happen to see a turtle crossing the road and you want to pick it up, make sure you put it on the other side of the road towards the direction its head was facing, not the way its tail was facing, because then it could get hit by a car because it'll try to go back anyway. And actually only buy a turtle if you really love them and research them and have the means to care for them and take them to the vet. Because a person I follow on Twitter took their guinea pig to the vet and it cost them $2,600 for surgery. Make good choices, guys. Welcome back to Rough Draft. Okay, so now we're going to talk about 
family folklore. And basically what that means in this context is stories that we grew up being told about our families or experiences we had when we were very small that maybe we didn't think anything of. And then as we got older, and like you said, like went out into college or whatever, we realized, oh, well, maybe not everybody does things like this. <laughs> so the story that came to mind when I was first thinking about this episode was the fact that my grandmother always told us like I don't know how many times I heard this story growing up but it was a lot and she would always tell us a story about how she married my grandfather and they were moving and she called the phone company to tell them like we're gonna need our service transferred and for some reason at the time like it took a long time to have that done and so they said okay well you know this is the wait a couple of weeks or a couple of months like something insanely long and she said okay no problem and they said okay give us your name and she gave her last name like her married last name and there was like this long pause and the person on the other end of the phone said like hold on or whatever and then said we'll have someone there tomorrow afternoon (laughs) and you know she kind of always explained this like oh well it's just because of my husband's last name and like there was always this indirect understanding that he was like in the mob like something and she would always you know talk about him like he was a son of a bitch I never met him like he died before I was born and they were not together for very long either so and I mean there's plenty more of that story I'm sure and only a little bit was I ever even told but that particular thing like always sticks out to me as being a story I heard over and over and over again just would come up all the time because phones now. Right, right, and it was interesting because You're I never. What the catalyst is for jumpstarting a, a folklore story like that. Right, and I never really thought anything of it. Even, even the like idea or the suggestion that he was like part of organized crime or like I, there was never like oh no, but it might not have been true at all. Like really, honestly, and part of me wants to like interview my mom about it and you know see how much she knows about it, but. I just took it as it's part of my family history and retold it as I was like growing up, like in high school and college. And it wasn't until recently that I was like, I don't even know if any of this is true. And also it kind of like put ideas in my head about, you know, there is something to like a name or status. And like when people are afraid or feel threatened or feel like they could be threatened, like how they act or react. And I'm sure it put, I'm sure it put some ideas into the people's heads that you told the story to as you were growing up also. Sort of as, it's a performative nature to tell people what's going on from your family history. And they go, oh, she had connections. Somebody in her family was like a big shot or a tough guy. Ooh, maybe we should steer clear of her because they do a big wig. Right. In any capacity. And then it makes me wonder, like, is that, is that, was that the intention of the story? Like, did I ever wind up in a situation or removed from a situation because of that story like I have no idea I have no way of knowing that but it's just interesting and I think it's kind of similar to when people are like oh yeah well my great-grandfather was related to or like you know this idea of like lineage and heritage and association is all kind of like the same idea it's like a a bragging right I guess and I really missed out lot of that especially on my father's side we weren't really associated with anybody on my dad's side of the family except his direct family his mother his father 
his grandmother, she was amazing. She was an actual honest to God Rosie the Riveter. Amazing. She was awesome. Um, but I, I know so little about that side of my family. Like my grandfather on my dad's side, whenever we would go over to visit, he was on the couch, on his side, faced away from us. I don't know what the man looked like. I don't have any pictures of him. That's crazy. I, I, I couldn't tell you. If I saw a picture of him in a photo album, I would not know who he was. We walked up to him and said, hi, grandfather, and did whatever we were doing. And then when it was time to leave, we would walk up and hug his back and talk into his hair and say, goodbye, we love you. And that's all I ever saw of my grandfather on my dad's side. So now, like as an adult, first of all, it seems like really strange probably to think about it like from a removed perspective uh-huh. as not just like a memory but like a thing you're kind of analyzing and also can you imagine like writing that story right now how weird must that seem to people it was right. so normal to me right because that's just the way it was right that's all that there was right and it was just part of it was just yeah. part of the norm and i think that a lot of people have like quirks like that or things that oh that's just just how we always did it i right. don't and I think it's like that with like tr- holiday traditions are like that, you know, other things that just become ingrained in you. And I don't know. It's just interesting to think now, like if that happened to me today, if I like I went and met like Tyler's family and one of the family members was just like laying on the couch like that. And that's just how everyone around interacted with them. Yep. I, it would feel so strange to me, but you were like we, you were. We spent, I mean, even for Christmas. Right. We would gather around in the living room and he would he would have the whole couch and he would only lay on the couch. He was alive. He was <laughs> I mean that's like but that's like a relevant I think question at that point like I think that that's something to say like I'm curious if he was alive or was he actually a person right. because you were a child and I think that that in that moment you don't think of the strangeness of it because you're a kid, but there were adults there. Well, right. And the adults are telling me, do my duty. Yeah. Walk up to this man who is your grandfather and deserves your respect and hug him and tell him you love him. Right. Okay. Well, I, until I was a teenager, did not know his name. And I still, to this day, have no idea what he looked like. But I did my duty by him and respected him and said, I love you. Goodbye. Thank you for everything that we got for Christmas or Easter or it's so crazy and I think like that idea of like do your duty go up and like hug your relative like there's been a shift like culturally against that but I feel like that's true in a lot of ways like I remember being a kid and going to daycare and being like one of the older kids there but I mean I started staying home alone when I was probably like I don't know 12 13 14 so I was younger than that and we just did whatever we wanted Mm -hmm. like we got to daycare after school and we would just do whatever we wanted we would go outside we would play in the garage we would play in the treehouse we would play in the woods we would like play in the other woods like places we probably weren't supposed to go like our babysitter had a pool we would swim in the pool I don't think that there was ever an adult anywhere and that's the real question I have about a lot of my experiences as a young person was was I really as unsupervised as I felt or were there people watching me 
obliquely and right. let me do anything because I was the responsible good kid. Right. But I seemed to be rather unsupervised. I feel like that a lot and I always ask myself like was someone watching me and I don't know like at daycare there were four five six of us who just like we had a treehouse in the woods it was like bridge to Terabithia back there like we felt like we were everywhere but I feel like if I took that same walk now it would feel much smaller. You'd be like I was three meters into the woods. Right. still see. And like could I have been seen from like the kitchen window and you know like this this is actually a funny story. I the first time I like kissed a boy like actually like three seconds kissed a boy was in my backyard and I thought I was being so slick (laughs) and like I just like laid one on him hi Brandon (laughs) telling our story uh I went in the house later that day and my grandmother was like (laughs) just standing at the sink I can just see Graham now confronting you about this and she was like how's your day like Brandon had got home and she was like, how was your day? And I, you know, I'm like distracted at this point. I'm like, oh my God, I like to I'm like 11, <laughs> you know, and I'm like so proud of myself, but also like, oh my God, it's like the biggest secret ever of all right. time. Like, I'll never tell anyone. And I was like, it was good. And she was like, did you have fun with Brandon? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I saw you kiss him. Whoa. And I was like, oh my God. Like, first of all, I'm mortified, but that really like undid some of that feeling of like invisibility because exactly that like was there always that kind of like adult force that I just didn't notice because I was in my own world like watching me out the window or like kind of supervising me more than I felt because I did not feel supervised you know and people say like when we were kids we just went out until dinner till dark and like yes to an extent I, I definitely believe that that is true but I also wonder like how much of that was just like we didn't notice yeah you know and I don't know. I think we were less, we were less supervised then. Absolutely. Uh, and now that people our age are bringing up children, we know what kind of things we were capable of. And now you have to add <laughs> cell phones into yeah. the mix. Yeah. And the ways that you can access trouble invisibly. Yeah. So I think that people are much more willing to go out of their way to be spying or supervising their kids I know with my nieces and nephews anytime I walk by their room I throw an eyeball in their room absolutely I want to know what they're doing I want to know what's going on I want them to know that I want to know what they're doing because I want them to act right when no one's looking in case someone's ever looking and that might be really nuts but (laughs) no I think that like that's something that happened to me like in that moment like when I realized like this private like moment I thought I was having at 11 like <laughs> you're not entitled to that kind of privacy oh, at 11. I to tell these kids that the other day five five and six I went you are too little to expect privacy that door is open. Right and that but that's the thing like understanding that like ultimately as a child being brought up by my elders like my mom's a single mom and we were you know brought up by a community of adults who always were like very there and present and supportive but also like watching and I always knew especially from that moment like even if I didn't think someone was watching probably someone was watching and I think that that shaped my behavior and I think everybody around you was around your family group was press ganged into being a minder of the children right I am already kind of being put in that role because I like it 
nobody's making me do right, that. Right, right, right. I like to be in that role where I go, hey, I hope I'm not, like, stepping on your toes when I, like, see something or I try to, like, quote-unquote parent them. Right. And everyone's been very, they go, no, like, you're an adult, you're an adult in their lives, say something if you don't like what they're doing, and I think that that's been really nice and supportive because I have a lot of things to say to these kids. <laughs> so, okay, so talking about, like, that kind of role and how, like, that watchful eye, I feel like that's another thread to follow like when you're talking about like history and folklore and the way that you come to like manage your surroundings and like you're coming up so like parents do it all the time to you like oh well I do in that moment like my grandmother was saying to me I saw you not because I had done anything bad but because like to her it was important that I knew that like someone was watching me and my behavior should be that exact thing that you said like somebody is potentially always watching you so you should behave as if they are always watching you santa's watching the easter bunny's watching jesus is watching and i think that like there's something to that so is is very religious and it is important for her in her worldview and for her to communicate into my worldview that jesus is watching he's ever present that god is omnipresent and that's, I think that that's a way she tries to give me care. Absolutely. To, to care hand, for you and to give you comfort in any way that, yeah, like, that could bring. Is to hand her important heartfelt views of religion is a way that she cares for herself. And it comforts her and it guides her. And truly, God works in her life. There is no doubt. Right, 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 right. At all. In my mind. Because I, you know, buy into religion. Right. I buy into a worldview where there is at least a God or a higher power that's interested in you. Right. Or that you should be grateful to or give credit to. And for her to come to me and say, this is where I have felt the most fulfilled and I want you to have access and to feel that too. And so whenever I'm with her, I don't know if she always remembers that she's told me this story before. Um, and I don't care. I want her to tell me every story, even if she has to tell me one story 900 times. Yep. I want anything that she has to yep. say to me. Yep. I treasure it. She is the best. She's my favorite person. I want anything she has to say, even if it's the same thing 900 times. So at, whenever we're together, and it's the same thing we were just talking about with the phones. Who knows what the catalyst is right. for a story to come up, but this one's, you know pretty simple because it's just a door anytime there's a commercial for door sealers or construction there's a door and she goes angie you know i just wanted to tell you that there's this picture and it's in our church and when i look at it i just i feel i feel like it's something i need to tell you because it's jesus and he's standing at this door and it's it's a beautiful door and he's he looks he looks just so radiant and there's flowers everywhere and she loves flowers oh my god she has not just a green thumb she's got green fingers toes arms legs (laughs) um she goes and he's standing there in this beautiful garden outside your door and all he can do angie is to knock because there's no doorknob on his side you're the one who has to open the door and let him into your life and every time she tells it to me it's an epiphany all over again for me of all the reasons that she's telling me that I think that that is like the most beautiful way to understand that because even if you weren't religious like or didn't you know whatever like because 
as someone like I feel like especially at this point in my life like I'm firmly like agnostic like I am still in a place where having been like super religious but then also not sure like I really am just more curious about like I don't know you're what I would call a seeker yeah right right. (laughs) so I feel like even even from my perspective like there's something about the motivation behind that story that is so right it's not just the message of the story which is a gift in its own right right it's It's the motivation she has to keep telling me specifically she's bringing you like something that's so important to her and I think that when we talk about like storytelling and like family folklore that that's like really what I'm wanting to get at here like why we tell those stories to people that are close to us or that we care about like why do I tell the story of my grandmother telling me that you know, I better hurry up and have that baby because she was on borrowed time. Well, there are a lot of reasons and it probably is situational, like why I share that with certain people and when. And, you know, when I say, oh, you know, like once I was doing this thing and I'm sharing with that person, like not only my experience, but hopefully something that I took away from that experience. And I'm hopefully also bringing something to their life experience. And I think that like, that's really the point of all of it. Like, I want to preserve the memory of my grandmother when I tell stories that involve her. And I want my friends and family who knew her when she was alive and also who never got the chance to meet her. Like, Tyler never got to meet her. So, the only way that I can share her with anyone is by storytelling. And this really ties back to what we, to the quote we started out with on today's podcast, which is to say... If you don't tell the story and all the parts of the story the right way, they're not going to walk away with the right picture of absolutely. Graham. Absolutely. It's so important to have someone who's holding the right record. You're so right. Like, set her saying what, she, like, some of the things that she would say, like, just some of her, like, just her mannerisms, mannerisms yeah. and just some of the things that, like, would come out of her. Like, you can't understand her without it exactly like me saying she would always say about my grandfather he was a son of a bitch like it was that exactly it was never anything else the cadence the tone of voice the speed that it fell out of her mouth that was intrinsically her yep and I think that like that is the biggest part of like just opening the podcast with that little blurb like why that was so important to me and why it stuck out to me is exactly what you just said like that's the only way that I can give you like a picture of the thing that is so valuable to me that that is part of not only like my history but who I am like who I am without her would be a different person like it's totally different and that's every experience that I have like I could say that about if I had a different mom if I had a different dad if I had a different sister and my other sisters and my brothers and like you know, the ways that I grew up and all of the things, you know, that have happened to me or that I've experienced. All you are is everything that has happened to you or come before you. Yeah. To get to today. Yeah. We're nothing more than that. Right. And without them, we are much less. Right. And if I can't communicate to you what those things were, you don't know me. Right. Or any part of me that right. I want to share. And I think that you know in the last episode we really talked about like what what's the point of this podcast and I said I just want to tell stories but this is this is more to that like I want to tell stories so that you can know me 
and I want to know your story so that I can know you. So when I say guys, like send me a story, send me something that I can like share with the people who are listening to this that is part of you. Like I mean it. I want to know. We have an email the rough draft press at gmail.com like please send me your stories we want to hear anything and everything that you want to share with us and i can't promise that it will make it on the podcast in the next episode or the next six but we're going to read everything that we get and you know things that speak to us like we want to share and we're going to keep doing you know like other people like bringing them in I there are so many people that I know who have such good stories and so many people I don't know yet that have such good stories and so like send us your stories if you have family folklore like we talked about tonight like I totally want to hear it yeah what's this what's the story that is always told at Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas breakfast that everyone just they go they settle in and they go oh yes here it is again you know before we end this tonight I really I really want to make it super clear. Like when I say like, we want your stories, it's not just about the podcast. Like I am super interested. So one of the cool things about having a new friendship or a new relationship with someone is learning them, but also then learning their family. So Tyler and I have been together two years and that's it. You know, he's still a relatively new addition to my life. So meeting his family has been incredible, but also like there's such a, wonderful and animated and interesting group of people that like being a part of Thanksgiving or Christmas and being able to go to these like family events where I'm getting told stories that you know aren't mine to share tonight but that like that sentiment where they're going oh and then this one time like at this restaurant and then this one time like we went to this place I love it like there's nothing better to me than like being able to share that and be given like to me that's like such a gift there's no better way to show acceptance than to give it's it's history, such a gift it's right. such a gift and I think that that's like so amazing and you know we're about to take this vacation next week and like the place that we're going is like super super important to his family and like sentimental and I can't wait to like be there to get the stories that like I've maybe had some exposure to but like in the place that it's like so important to them like I'm really really excited about that so you know that's just one of the things that when I say that we want your stories like we really do we want the things that you want to share and if and when we can like we want to share them with other people and if you want to send us something just for us you don't want it shared on the podcast like feel free to do that too and like just make a note in there but definitely email us um we're working on some other ideas like ways that we can connect with other people Um, remotely like whether it's going to be like recorded voice messages or something like we're kind of working on ways to incorporate more and more like storytellers so you know just kind of we'd like to pick some brains think about it but histories thank you for doing this with me oh thank you for having Um, me anytime you're welcome on rough draft and i know for a fact that like pretty regularly i'm gonna be like okay we're gonna record okay let's go record perfect um but thank you all for listening and i hope that You've enjoyed some of our family folklore, and we can't wait to hear yours. You want to say bye? (laughs) Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.